0: If you take your Bibles out, we'd like to read our scripture lessons for today. Our Old Testament text is from Genesis chapter twenty. It deals with Abraham, whom you've already heard Kevin and Maria mention. We read this text from Genesis chapter twenty as a where Abraham and Sarah serve as good, bad examples. Here's where they're in unfaith, unbelief, hard to believe, huh? Well, <clears throat> you'll see. So. Uh, this occurs just between the time fairly late on. You know, Abraham's like 100 years old, and Sarah's about 90 years old, and, and uh, the Lord and the angels have just visited them and made a promise in the previous chapter. chapters, and the next chapter is going to be where the birth of Isaac. So, this is right in the middle of that. So, listen here to God's Word. Now, Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur, then he so- soldiered in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married, or she's the wife of a man, is what the text is. Now Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a nation even though blameless? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this, and I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Amen. Then we'll turn to Galatians chapter 3. Read verses 6 through 9. This also is about Abraham. A good example. (laughs) Just four little verses. Listen here to God's Word. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Amen. Then Hebrews chapter 6 is our epistle text, primary text for today. We'll read verses 13 through 20, the last half of the chapter. We'll deal with the first half as well, but we're just going to read verses 13 through 20. Listen here again to God's Word. For when God made the promise to Abraham... Since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he, that is, Abraham, obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness, uh, unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Lord God, we come in Jesus' name and ask for you to help us today. Help us as we've read your Word, to have it applied to our hearts, to our lives, and continue to work your work of sanctification and transformation in us through that by the power of your Spirit. We ask through Christ Jesus our Savior, and the Lord of all. Amen. Last week we began our sermon by saying that Jesus had a problem. His problem was how could He be a priest and offer sacrifices when He came from the kingly line of David, not from Aaron's line. We saw the solution to that, Melchizedek. Today though, I have a problem. I bet you have a problem too. And here's our problem, Hebrews 6, 4-6. Go ahead and flash that up there, Herb, if you would, please. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. This text is problematic for me and for perhaps you and I know for many, many others. Let me tell you why. I was raised in a nominal Christian household and Christian culture. I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I sang the hymns and did all that stuff as I was growing up. I was confirmed. I, as it said there, I tasted the heavenly gift. That is, I participated in the Eucharist, in the Lord's Supper. I was enlightened, just what it says there, that is, compared with the heathen and pagans, I was enlightened. I heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, I heard about God as Creator, and all those things which are so important, which the nations don't know. And yet, something went awry, and I became an agnostic. In my teens, I went very astray. And then I did more than go astray. While I was in the Navy, I renounced Christ in a formal way. I sent a letter to the church council where I had grown up, and I said, "I can't believe you, people are so dumb as to believe all that stuff about what it says in the Bible. Please take me off your rolls. I don't believe any of that anymore at all." Those were all my friends who I knew who got that letter. They were all my parents' friends. I'm sure everyone was real encouraged when they got that letter from. John Niederhaus in the Navy, saying that. Uh, On my official Navy records, I made sure that what they put as my religion was pagan. I was serious. I didn't believe that. So, now we have this Verse. What am I to do? But God, right all through the scripture, there's this, but God. But God could and did save me and renew me and regenerate me despite Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. Hallelujah. Well, what do we make of this? What do we make of Hebrews 6, 4 through 6? Well, there's some things we like to say about that text. Number one is the text is true. It's true, absolutely. We need to take it to heart. We need to be convicted and convinced by that. Now, the second thing we need to say is that the church has always been confused by folk who are part of her, and then it turns out they aren't. For millennia, that's been a big problem. People who share in all the life of the church and then... Boom! They're not. There are people who participate in all elements of church life. They're enlightened as compared with the pagans and heathens and all the rest of the world, in the world around them, but they fall away. Saint Ambrose of Milan, I think, said it properly. He said, "God did not see fit to save His people." By philosophy. Did you hear that? God did not see fit to save His people by philosophy. I knew all these things. I had been enlightened in the sense of knowing just the stuff that's out there that, that, that God's told us in, in the Bible and the Word. I had, I had read a good bit of that. Had to. So, you have lots of people who are part of the visible church but not part of of the invisible church, that takes a work of the Holy Spirit. It takes God's Spirit working within someone to take all the stuff that you may know up here and make it True by the transformation of your inner man. Which can happen in a variety of ways. But we won't go into that right today. Hence, we need to ask God for that work of the Holy Spirit. But how about that text, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6? How about it and me? I had a big problem after my conversion. I still sinned. have you? You have? Welcome to the club. It's a big problem. And we need to take that, those verses very, very, very seriously. And uh, I can say with certainty that those verses are a challenge to me, a motivation to me as well as a challenge. Uh, all sin cuts us off from God and demands His judgment. Post-regeneration sin does that as well. Some folk walk far, far away. For those of you who've been around here for a while, we had an associate pastor, Tim Smoyer, who walked far, far away. Now, we read Genesis 20 this morning because Abraham is a good, bad example. Abraham had faith, except sometimes he didn't. You ever been like that? I have faith, well, except sometimes my fear conquers my faith. If you've never had that experience, you've never had faith, just so you know. (laughs) Uh, He and Sarah told a whopper of a lie. They put everything at risk. If Abimelech, who by the way, we have a whole thing we could talk about, biblical sexuality. We could talk about with Abimelech and Sarah and what that meant when he took her. It was an alliance. If he had had intercourse with her and she'd gotten pregnant, well then the promises are gone. But God saw fit to it that Abimelech did not touch her. And Then God, in His mercy, spoke to Abimelech and said, You know what? That is another man's wife. It's the the one who said that he's her brother? He's her husband. God intervened, but God came. And to me, in in the, the Genesis 20 story, it seems like Abimelech is the righteous guy, and Abraham is the unrighteous guy. But then God speaks to Abimelech and says, No, this, this man is a prophet. I put my hand on him. I've chosen him. And the nations are going to be blessed through him. I have purpose that. I promise that. It's going to happen. You need to have him pray for you. By the way, that's the first time the word prophet appears in the Bible, it's in Genesis 20. There it talks about Abraham. Uh, and so this comes between the time of the Lord's visit with them and the time when Isaac is born, preserves that. So, Abraham is a good, bad example. God had His purposes and those purposes would be accomplished. Galatians 3, 6-9 that we read, it talks about Abraham the believer. I'm sure Abraham was a believer all along. In a sense, once God came and made a revelation in Genesis 12, he was a believer all along but he had ups and downs. We know, we can see that when we read the Scriptures. But the Scriptures, it says in there, foreseeing what God was going to do, uh, preached the Gospel to Abraham. And what the Gospel is, is believing that God will do what He said He will do. And the main thing that God has said He will do is redeem His people through the Messiah, through a, a promised seed. Now I appreciate in Hebrews 6.15 where it says, and so having patiently waited, he, Abraham, obtained the promise. Well, man, I have patience like Abraham. <laughs> you know, he, he had Hagar, he waited patiently. Well, have, we'll, we'll do it with Hagar. We did all, well, but he did. He believed in the midst of all these things. In his deepest part of his person, he believed. Now, the devil uses the Bible like God does. Remember Jesus in his temptation in the wilderness? One of the things the devil did was quote Psalm 91 to him, right? Psalm 91, about verse 12 or so. He will give his angels charge concerning you, so cast yourself off the temple and prove you're the Son of God. Well, the devil can use these verses here in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, to bring people to a place of... Discouragement, feeling unworthy, bringing to a point of despair. So today we want to deal with that. Just I have two minutes left. Right, I'll take a little bit more than that to make sure the devil doesn't use these verses to bring you that way. To despair, to feeling accusation, to being completely discouraged. Because Hebrews six. 13 through 20, tells the rest of the story. When God sets His seal on you, that is through regeneration, you are sealed. He knows what we are when He saves us. Psalm 103, verse 14. uh, Annabelle, what does that say? Remember Psalm 103, verse 14? It says, But He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we're but dust. He knows who we are. He says there's two unchangeable things you should hold on to here. His purpose, when he makes you his own, he says, you are mine. Remember Psalm 45? You are mine. I've grabbed you. You're mine. And his promise, his oath, I will keep you. And it says it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, because of that, because of God and what He's done, we have hope, no matter what our circumstances, no matter how far we've fallen. We say, God, help! should do that. I have lots of people who talk with, I've done this myself, we're angry with God. But talk with Him about it. Holler to Him about it. Don't renounce Him. It says, this hope enters within the veil, that is, the very presence where God is in the temple, the Holy of Holies, and this is Jesus who does that because He's of the order of Melchizedek, which we talked about last week. And He sets this hope before us of the Lord Jesus Christ, and says we should have strong encouragement, not discouragement, strong encouragement because Christ has made us His own, and we are united with Him, we have union with Christ. So, take hold of the hope set before you. It's not in ourselves. It's in Him. So, what this is, is like the end of Psalm 110 we talked about last week. It's where, no matter where we are and what's going on, we need to bend down and take a drink from the brook by the way. That brook of living water, that, that brook that reminds us of God's faithfulness, of God's purpose, of God's power. That God, is, if God be for you, who can be against you, right? We need to know that. So, take a, a drink from that brook by the way. Now, I'd like for us to sing a song. Uh, Nancy, will you, uh, it's a song of hope. It's a song where we can lift up our heads. We've sung it before. Do you have the, the first verse there, Herb, that you can put up on the, on the screen? It's, He will hold me fast. Do you remember this song? Nancy, play it through once so we can c- catch the tune. So stand with me. We're to sing this.